Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. As mothers, we all know that we are at the end of our priority list, and sometimes we need to be at the top. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello and welcome to the Project Loving Myself podcast. I am Sanaya and I have an episode for you today that is going to be jam-packed with well-being, self-care, beauty, exercise, and clean living tips, all from one person. Our guest today is Amanda Griffin Jacob, model, entrepreneur, author, TV personality, and co-founder of the Glam Omamas community. In 2013, she co-authored a book called Project Mom, Our Natural Approach to Motherhood, which is something that I read cover to cover when I became a mother. Living between Singapore and Manila, she prioritizes her mental, emotional, and physical health through her well-being and green living practices, which is why I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. She also has an amazing blog that covers topics of wellness, beauty, motherhood, green living, and travel, which I'm sure she will tell us more about. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Hi, Sanaya. I'm so happy to be here. You know, your podcast is right up my alley, something that, you know, I aspire to every day and something that I think we should all aspire to is loving ourselves. So thank you so much for having me. And thank you for agreeing. I mean, as soon as this podcast was ready to go, I said I had to have you on the podcast. I am a member of Glamo Mamas as well. And I've read your book, as I mentioned earlier. So I follow you and I know that this is really, you know, exactly what you do. And you would be just such a great inspiration to all the listeners out there. As, as I said, I would, I would say that you are really the epitome of the Project Loving Myself podcast, someone who prioritizes self-love and self-care while constantly learning, growing, and discovering yourself in new and novel ways. And I know you said that this is who you aspire to be, but I think this is really who you embody. And you've done such a great job of really um, experiencing a lot of different um, well-being ideas, you know, really walking the talk, but also your journey of well-being has been something I think that 
is, is something that can really motivate a lot of us. So tell me about your journey. How did you get into well-being? You know, how did this become so important to you? Um, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for getting me. <laughs> I mean, like really getting me because I, I, I'm, I'm glad to know that it translates when I'm sort of, you know, trying to put it out there in, in Glamour Mamas and on my sites and my articles, even on my social media. So I, it wasn't always like this. My well-being journey really started when I turned 30. So before that, I was very sort of hedonistic, you know, modeling and traveling all over the world. I was also a, a VJ. So, you know, I I had to be really thin for for my career. And I wasn't I wasn't doing it the healthy way, you know, like I was smoking and, you know, all the kind of stuff that I, I cringe at now. <laughs> but when I turned 30, I became a vegetarian. So that was really the first step in my what I consider my sort of wellness and well-being journey, because it led me to so many other things along the way. So when I stopped eating meat, I just discovered a different lifestyle. So I went into yoga, which I also wanted to do because I was getting married and I wanted to get really healthy. And I fell in love with hot yoga. And for me, that was just a life changer because it was also, it was not just about losing weight. I discovered the whole practice was also sort of detoxifying for my mind as well, not just my body. And after every session, I felt so amazing. And now yoga is part of my everyday discipline, it's my everyday sort of practice. If I don't do that, I don't feel centered. I don't feel quite myself. And, you know, I have I love having those moments on my mat and I just couldn't live without them. Right. So each sort of step in my journey was, you know, it's like. It's taken me a long time to get to where I am. It's not like, you know, now I'm plant-based, you know, I run, I don't have any vices except chocolate. I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, I, I, I eat clean. I, I try to live as clean as possible. I stopped drinking in February. So now I'm like, you know, really enjoying this, this, this sort of path of, you know, being really, really, really clean and, yeah, it really was kickstarted when I turned 30. But the turning point was when I got pregnant. Yeah, for pregnancy, it was, well, I was just so awed by the responsibility of bringing this person into the world. And I wanted to, from the get-go, be as healthy as I could be. And, you know, so I was doing all these things for for my body and my lifestyle and then I was and then I was thinking, well, you know, if I'm doing all this for myself, I want my children to be, you know, healthy as well. And so I just started when I was pregnant, started researching a lot and and really tried to focus on how I would raise my children in a way that would be, you know, the best for them. And so it was it, you know, I had to it took a lot of research. And I'm of, of course, it's an ever evolving process that changes you know every there's there's so there's so much information out there that it, it it can get quite confusing and difficult at times but i find that i've found my own journey with my family and luckily my husband is you know very supportive and along for the ride and and he's you know he's not quite there with us but he is almost there so support is really important <laughs> 
So Amanda, your story is actually so similar to mine. Up until I was in my mid-20s, I used to live in New York City. And it was all about, you know, eating out, drinking, going out all the time. You know, there was no idea of, of my physical, emotional, and mental well-being. And as I got yeah. closer to 30, it was the same story. You know, I started to realize that I don't feel so good physically, emotionally. And I started to realize that a lot of it had to do with this lifestyle that I was leading. And when I lived in New York, I started um, hot yoga as well. And that too was something that started to teach me things about discipline and focus. And even I remember the, the last five minutes of every session, every class I was taking, I started to realize that, wow, this is what meditation feels like. And that's mm -hmm. how I got into it. And I can completely relate as well about being a mother because when you when you start thinking about having your own child and what you want to pass down to your children, it's really about, you know, modeling the right behavior and the right activities. So I know that you have four kids and you also have all these really powerful well-being practices that you write about. You have the Glamo Mamas community and I know you have a, a lot of other things going on. How do you manage all of this? How do you find balance? And the more important question, do you ever drop the ball? <laughs> um, I love this question because I I haven't met any, I don't think I've met anyone that really has that balance. I certainly don't. I mean, I would be lying. I, I As you said, I have a lot on my plate. The four kids alone are, <laughs> are really... You know, it's it's work to to manage to manage them, and I drop the ball all the time. You know, but I think it's about. I always think, you know, what I can pick the ball right up again. You know, it's not about beating myself up about being perfect. I'm by no means perfect. I I always say this to people. I'm always learning. I'm not an expert on motherhood. I don't know it all. You know, this is why I set up Glamour Mamas is because. You know, I knew that when I was a first time mom, I needed all the support I could get. I was turning to all the veteran mommies. I was turning to the internet. I was I was asking as many questions as I could, not being embarrassed about anything because I was like, I, you know, I I feel like I know nothing and I want to know as much as I can to try and be as prepared as I can, even though you can't really be pre totally prepared for motherhood, but I think you know, that is one of my sort of credos is I like to be as prepared as I can for for anything in life. So I do my due diligence and research and, and I, I really do put in the work in anything that I tackle. So motherhood was no different. <laughs> so I did the same thing, Amanda, is during my first pregnancy, I would keep going on to your Glamo Mama's uh, Facebook page and I would keep asking the other mothers, you know, for resources or where to get things. So it really helped me quite a bit. But I also am quite like an avid reader. I read everything. You know, I have all these apps that are telling me what to do. How do you deal with all this information that is at our fingertips? How do you decide what's right for you? Or, you know, because everybody has a point of view and there are different approaches to the same thing. So yes. how do you decide which one is going to work for you? And is there like a criteria or some kind of a defining factor that guides your decisions? Well, you know, I, there's, you know, there's too much information out there and it, it gets 
really, it crowds your mind. It gets confusing. It makes you second guess. So for me, what I do is I make sure that, you know, I know my, my sort of philosophies in life and, and, and how I want to live. And, and that guides me and, and sort of what I'm doing with my parenting, my strategies when it comes to that, the way I live my life, you know, and as I said, it's about green living, being kind to the planet, to people, you know, it's all these different sort of philosophies that that guide me. But I, you know, my, my advice to, to women out there is to find what works for them. You know, you can get as much advice as you as you want, and you can research as much as you want, get all the information. But at the end of the day, I really believe that your your intuition and will always lead you in the right direction, as well as you know, you know what kind of life you want your you and your family to lead. So, yeah, I, I that's what I do. I've I've just trusted sort of my gut instinct and been led by sort of the way that I want to live my life, and and that's what I do. You know, ever ever since I got into the path of like healing and spirituality, so I'm a well-being coach and I have a healing uh, center. So. For me, intuition, listening to that inner voice is how I live my entire life. But when I became a mother, maybe it was the pressure and maybe it was all my other friends that were also kind of becoming mothers at the same time. And I remember getting thrown off a little bit about what was the right way to do things. And so I was seeking a lot of this information and I found it a little bit more challenging with my first child because I was really trying to figure out everything and, and a lot of times I was doing things differently from everybody else around me. So there was kind yeah. of a little bit of like, well, this is not just about me because if it's about me, you know, I can just, I can fly by the seat of my pants. I trust mm -hmm. myself and it's okay. But when you have a child, every single decision you make is going to impact that child. At least, you know, that's what you read everywhere. And I remember feeling very conscious about every choice I was making. But with my second child, I just kind of threw all of that out the door and I started to just trust completely my intuition, my inner voice, which is kind of my status quo. And um, I still looked for information and I still went out to seek answers to questions I had. But I guess because I was a lot more grounded and I really knew what I wanted, it was so much. And confident. Yes. And confident. Yes. Through everything that was. As a coming. mother. And it's interesting because both pregnancies were good pregnancies, but the the way I I dealt with that post delivery phase, you know, the three months and the six months was entirely different between the two kids. And I noticed it in my children's personalities, like how I was during those first six months speaks volumes about the personality of my children. So do you relate to that? Like, do do you find that with your four children, the way your pregnancy or even that time afterwards, um, especially the first three months, how you handled it differed from child to child. And do you see that in your children? Absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about, of course, first time mothers, you'll, you'll never be a first time mother again, right? And first time mother, mothering comes with those jitters, those uncertainties, those, you know, those doubts that keep you up at night, the work, you know, the whole thing. It's a very it's such a magical, awesome experience, but at the same time, it's it's so heavy. Like you know, I I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, if I do this, I'm you know, am I 
damaging him for life or, you know, like it would just, everything would eat me up. But I, you know, I, I kept going bolstered by, you know, the thought that, listen, I know I'm a first time mom. I know I'm going to mess up like trial and error, you know, and, and I think early on I was, you know, I, I was always practicing that kind of be kind to yourself. Don't, in terms of mothering, okay, I'm not not I, I haven't mastered it in all aspects of my life, but we're all not learning. to judge myself. Yeah, <laughs> not to judge myself so much when I would think I would take a misstep when it came to mothering, especially my 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 first child. But of course, as the each succeeding child has has uh, come into my life, I'm a lot more. You know, the mother that I was with Kieran, my eldest, who's now almost eleven. And the mother that I am with my youngest, who is turning two, is vastly different because I am so much more confident. And, you know, I know that, you know, there's very little you can do that you're not going to mess up immensely. You know, like those little things that I would stress out about as a first time mother. Now I'm like, you know, my goodness, the fourth one's practically raising himself. <laughs> you know, they're all they're all doing well. And it's funny when you mention like the pregnancies, because for me, I, it didn't, I, I, you know, when I was pregnant with my first son, I was over the moon cloud nine. I was just living to be pregnant. I was, you know, this in, uh, in the throes of that sort of amazement of, of becoming a mother, you know, and, and had the most stress-free pregnancy and, I find now that my my son is very sort of type A and like you know he's he's quite domineering dominant I don't know if it's because he's the firstborn compared to my second pregnancy where I was very stressed out all the time because I was working right up until I gave birth and you know I just thought oh my god this is really going to affect you know the way he is as a person but he's really turned out to be a very laid back sweet boy that you know so I could totally be, you know, sort of that 1%, you know, the, the out of the norm. But yeah, we I always talk to people about, you know, because about this, because I find it so strange in my experience that, you know, my children have, yeah, turned out so differently. And the pregnancies really had, you know, there's almost the opposite effect. <laughs> but that's actually pretty rare because I work with a lot of um, mothers in my coaching and healing practices. And normally what I find is whatever happened during the pregnancy and even maybe more of the first three to six months uh, really is reflected in the child's behavior. Often the child's needs and fears. Yes, I do think that perhaps the birth of my son might have something to do with the way, yeah, he, his sort of personality and, and maybe internal anxieties and all of that have manifested because I, I was in labor for almost three days. You know, I wanted to do a natural hypnobirth experience. And, you know, at the end of three days, I had to have an emergency C-section. So it was, I imagine, a very sort of traumatic kind of, you know, process for him to come into the world. But, you know, who knows, right? I'm sure that affected him. But the actual pregnancy was just, <laughs> you know, textbook perfection. I just, I remember being the happiest I've ever been in my life when I, when I was pregnant. You know, when I had my first pregnancy, 
first of all, I loved it because I loved the way my body was looking pregnant. I know like some people just hate that, but for mm-hmm. me, it was just, I felt so beautiful being pregnant. So I remember my pregnancies were good experiences. It's just the first couple of months after that, there was a lot of learning and a lot of, uh, you know, confusion. And it was really lack of sleep and the hormones being all over the place. Absolutely. But I reveled in it. I don't know. I was just so, you know, and I'd read so much about that, you know, the first three months that they were going to be so, you know, topsy-turvy and hormonal and you wouldn't know. And I, as I was saying, this sort of the preparedness factor, it really helped to, it worked in my favor because all those things that were scary, I already knew about from friends or from reading. For example, the baby blues that come right after your right after you give birth because your hormones are normalized, just stabilizing, right? My friend told me, don't worry, you're probably going to feel, you know, really sad. And and then some, you know, like you'll, you'll feel so out of whack a couple of days after you give birth, you'll be crying all day for no reason. You won't know why. Don't worry about that. It's like the baby blues and it'll, you know, it'll go away after, you know, uh, a day, a couple of days or whatever. And, and, had she not told me that I would have been so frightened, but because I knew that that was coming when it happened, I was like, okay, I know. Okay. It's going to be okay. Um, breastfeeding was another thing. You know, my friend told me, she was warning me. She's like, it might be, you know, it felt like razor blades were shooting out of my nipples. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, like when I was hearing that as I was very pregnant and I, I was like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) But when I started breastfeeding, it was not as bad as that. And I was, you know, so I really was very thankful that I had sort of really taken the time to read all those books grill all my friends that had had babies and and just try and get as much knowledge as I could before I gave birth, but also know that you, you know, it's going to be a totally different experience. So I think you're completely right. And and this is a point that I really want to emphasize on because, you know, I was a little bit afraid of getting pregnant. I was a little afraid of going through labor and delivery. And so for me, when I was pregnant for the first time, I did a lot of work on those kind of fears. And so I was doing my healing and I was really kind of working through what I thought pregnancy was going to be like and labor. And what ended up happening after I did all that work is it was the smoothest experience. My pregnancy was just like, you know, like you're in a garden and you're smelling the flowers and it's just beautiful and easy. Right right up to delivery, everything was great. But I think I never thought about what would happen after my child came out. And I was completely caught off guard because I wasn't prepared for, you know, breastfeeding. I wasn't so prepared for um, how I wanted to handle things. It was kind of like I was so focused on the pregnancy and controlling, but working through that, that I forgot about, you know, the three months after. And so it really came as a surprise. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't go through postpartum, but I did feel hormonal, which is, I think, right, Mm -hmm. like one step before getting to postpartum. Because I I made sure that, you know, I got help I actually called one of the healers from my center to help me through that first month because I was feeling really like a loss of balance. But I think that if I had been a bit more prepared, we would have reduced or even eliminated the uncertainty. 
And that's where information becomes very powerful. When you have all the information and you know what to expect, it's not exactly, you know, like if you're thinking, okay, it's going to feel like, you know, razors, you know, or it's going to like hurt that much, then, you know, now your expectations are going to be adjusted. Right. It's managing your expectations. But to to your point, this is exactly why we wrote the book, Project Mom, and the reason why I started Glamour Mamas as a community. This is exactly why, because, you know, it, 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 it gives women that that platform to be prepared. You know, there I don't know. It's just I find Glamour Mamas to be such an incredible resource of 40,000 women of different experiences. You you know, you can name an experience, you know, you can relate to, to anyone in there. You're gonna find your experience most most likely because these are women that are there and, and everyone is there to support each other and, and on their motherhood journey. So that's exactly why these projects have driven me. I'm very passionate about motherhood and, and, and that's exactly why it's, you know, to eliminate these, fears and anxieties and insecurities about about this journey that we that we undertake you know and to have the support when things do not do go sideways or don't you know don't go the way we we necessarily want them to or things happen you know so it's just this whole sort of you know sisterhood that I really wanted to put together and and come together to help and, women. and your passion really, you know, shines through. I've been on um, many of the threads that, that run on the, um, the Facebook group. And what I notice is, you know, a lot of women feel more comfortable speaking in that kind of a community. And I see like hundreds of responses from other women being like, you know, praying for you, mommy. We're here for you. Stay strong. So there's definitely a lot of encouragement and a lot of support. I would say it's, it's more impactful when you get that from strangers than when you get it from people that you know. Because sometimes you might question their motives or you may not feel like you're really being heard or understood by the people close to you. But when you mm-hmm. go out to a community that can relate on some level, then you know there's just a different kind of support that you get. And so as, yeah. as a member of that group, you know, I can I can really speak to that and say what what you wanted to create, I mean you did. You know, and also the quality. I noticed the quality of women on this, in this community is very, very important. And it's very powerful because you really have people from a lot of different backgrounds and walks of life, but people who are really looking to improve themselves and better themselves. And, you know, it's it's really also what Project Loving Myself is about. You know, it's about focusing inward and reflecting out in your life a much more easier and happier life. So thank you. Thank you for that. You know, man. <laughs> um, helpful and inspiring. I'm sure not only to me, but to everyone listening. When you mentioned sort of the quality of women that are in there, it, it's been nurtured over the past six years is when we started the, the, the discussion group. You know, this is not sort of anyone can join. We 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 constantly vet and 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 make sure the members are in there for the right reasons. You know, and and it's taken a long time to sort of 
nurture the group to where it is and to ins always ensure it's a safe space for for our members. So it yeah. It, it, yeah. I like that there's no backlash, there's no bullying, there's no yeah. intimidation in the post. Because, you know, when you go on social media, you see a lot of people commenting on other people's posts and sometimes they're really insensitive. But in that community, I know you guys really make sure that there's none of that negativity. And I think that reflects a lot of your own values. So tell me about that. How do you stay positive? How do you make sure that, you know, the message you're putting out is positive and how much of what you write is reflecting what's going on in your own life and your own space? Um, you know, I, I make it a point to try and be as authentic as, as I can, because, you know, I know that people do, you know, they're looking at sort of social media and, and thinking, my goodness, is it, is, is, is life like that really? And how do, how can I get a life like that when, you know, it, social media is very curated. <laughs> you're not showing all, you know, you're not showing a lot of the bad times, but when I write my blog posts, which I haven't been doing much of recently, but I do always make it a point to be very honest about the struggles that I go through with motherhood, because, you know, I don't know a lot of the time, I do feel alone and I do have to seek guidance and help outside of, you know, our family unit because I, I, I do struggle and, and, and worry. And I want women to know that, you know, it's normal. And, and yeah, I just want, I want to be as honest as, as possible when it comes to the struggles that I face so that people can sort of relate and, and, you know, know that you're not alone because I think that's one of the sort of the worst things about motherhood sometimes is that you do feel really alone and sort of, am I the only one going through this? Am I sort of, you know, am I the worst mother in the world? And I, and I, you know, I do feel that more and more as my kids are getting older, you know, sort of I'm hitting sort of preteen, <laughs> the preteen arena. And it is, scary <laughs> to say the least do you think amanda that's because you know your kids as they get into becoming teenagers are going to have their own friends and their own life and now they move away from your nest you know because i would imagine that that would be the 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 stress you know of like oh my god they're not just my kids anymore no i exactly it's they're they're their own person and that's a real sort of challenging moment for moments, many moments for us as mothers, because, you know, obviously they need to sort of start f flexing their independence and leaving the nest as you stick slowly, you know, one sort of foot out as the years go by. And it, it, you watch them. And of course you have your own narrative of your own mistakes and you're watching your children and you want them to, you know, not tread the same paths as you, you know, be better than you be, you know, make better choices. And <laughs> it's very difficult to walk that tightrope of guidance and sort of overbearing, you know, know it all telling, you know, and my, my, my eldest is very headstrong. So I'm really being thrown into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> right now <laughs> so I yeah actually it, it you know everyone always says the second child is diff 
you know, the, the difficult, the more difficult child, but for me, it's, it's not, it's my, my eldest and is quite challenging because he has a lot of leadership qualities but it makes him very difficult to parent because, you know, they're nonconformist. They think they know it all, know everything. They're very intelligent. So, you know, as, as his mother trying to sort of, you know, guide him and, and, and bestow whatever sort of experience and knowledge we've gone through, it's very, it's a very sort of difficult, challenging place to be in. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I, uh, we definitely seeking outside, <laughs> outside uh, help and guidance because, you know, I, I, I just think I'm not, I'm not prepared at all for these kind of moments. So there's no shame in sort of getting that external help when necessary. You know, I have so many questions for you, Amanda, as you're talking, like my mind, <laughs> I want to ask her about this. I want to ask her about that. And so, you know, <laughs> Bear with Ask me. away. I am grilling you on everything. Okay. Tell me about your parenting style. How do you parent your children? And in particular, discipline. Because that's something I grapple with a little bit because I was very disciplined by my parents. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's the best way uh, necessarily to raise children. And so I do the opposite, which is I'm not disciplinarian. And my kids actually, surprisingly, have turned out really really easy when they're outside of the house. They're actually really well behaved. I can't say the same for inside the house. I have two little boys that are three and four and a half. So they're at that age where they've learned that they can gang up on me. But um, <laughs> but I do, you know, I do wonder whether I'm doing the right thing sometimes when I'm not instilling, you know, discipline at such a young age. And just to give you a little bit of a background, I have a younger brother who lives in New York City, and he's got two little girls. So there's just two of us in the family. He's got two girls, and I've got two boys. And he is someone who really believes in discipline. And his two Mm -hmm. girls are, like, so disciplined. And my two boys are, like, from the jungle. But, (laughs) you know, it's it's a handful. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm happier that way. What do you think? What's your parenting style, and how do you handle discipline? Well, first of all, when you mention you and your brother, I have to say, and I hate to gender stereotype, but two girls and two boys are already different. You know, I have three boys and one girl and boys are so different. They're very experiential. You know, my little girl observes more before leaping. You know, she's she's always sort of sitting down and and making sure that everything is safe and but my boys are crazy you know they're 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 chaotic so i went into parents into my parenting journey thinking okay yes i'm going to be sort of you know this very chill overly loving mom i'm not going to be a tiger mom by any stretch because my mom was very strict with me very strict and you know, I also was like, oh, I don't think that's sort of the way I would like to parent my children. But with my 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 eldest being the way that he is, his personality type, I've had to sort of my I, I've sort of become the disciplinarian of the family. I, I am that over, you know, that loving mom that has the softer edges. But I've had to be that disciplinarian because otherwise, I mean, they they you know, the house is just, 
It's like a tornado is hit it every single morning. I've noticed with the different children and their personality types, my parenting changes a little bit according to each child, because what works for one doesn't really work for the other. And so, yeah. Really important, Amanda. I think that this kind of one size fits all does not work with children. And I think it's the same thing in schools. You really have to cater to each individual child because their personality is different. Like I know if I am harder on my older son, because he's he's a lot more sensitive than my younger son. Mm -hmm. You know, he will really sulk and he will even cry. Whereas my younger Mm -hmm. son is like, you know, nothing ever happened. Like he's just so sorry. So I do agree that you have to parent differently, but do you use any kind of like strategies, you know, to deal with your children just getting a little bit too, you know, hyper or too, you know. Like specific strategies? Yeah. (laughs) I do the counting. (laughs) I do the counting and, you know, most of the time it'll work because I think there, you know, it's that sort of Pavlovian response already where, I start counting and it kind of resets them a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, mom's not happy. Let's rethink. I use the counting and it is amazing. Just count on one to three. And then I do like a two and a half, two and three quarters. And that's when they start racing to like sit down at the dinner table or like to start packing up their toys. I don't, you know, I don't know why. Either, but it works so well, better than raising your voice, better than anything else. It's the counting. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Definitely what? live by that one. <laughs> what else? What do you, what else do you do? So we have a reflection chair, if you like, we would like to call it. Some people will call it the naughty chair, but you know, it's, we're trying to make them sort of, if they're misbehaving, let them sit down and think about it, you know, so take them out of the situation and let them sort of, you know, stew on what, what happened? Why am I here? Like, what, what did I, what did I do? What could I do better? You know, so that works for certain children better than others, (laughs) but, you know, at least it's there out of the, out of the fray, because for me with, when I, I have the four together, they're, they're instigating with each other. They're poking each other. You know, they're, it's just, it's such a loud, you know, my, my life is never quiet. It's so loud and chaotic all the time. And so a lot of my life is spent trying to search for some, some quiet as an introvert. It really is. It it is a difficult, you know, it's kind of sort of an oxymoron. I don't know what happened, I love, you know, I, I've always wanted to have a big family and, and and have a lot of kids, but at the same time, I am such an introvert and I need my alone time a lot. But obviously I don't get it that much these days, which is why I turn to other things. I would imagine that if things around you are so noisy and you know, that's just how it is with kids, that it yeah. perhaps motivates you to seek out those quiet moments for yourself or to find that balance. So in a way, it's kind of working for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yes. I mean, I have a monkey mind as it is, and that's why I, I'm always seeking refuge in sort of these calming, self-love, you know, sort of practices that I can find. And, you know, when you were saying that you, you know, when you were in your mid-20s, you, were, you sort of were seeking more of healing, some mental and emotional clarity healing moments. For me, my wellness journey began with more of the physical part of feeling better physically and the emotional and mental sort of work and practice that I've done has come a bit later on. You know, it's only been a couple of years that I've really focused on that. I think as I got more and more children, I, you know, I was so hyped up all the time and I don't like being like that. So I was really, really had to search out sort of techniques and practices that would help me with that. So, cause I can't always leave the house, even if I want to, I can't always sort of physically escape. So I need I needed to find sort of these self-care practices that I could do within my home to help center, calm me and 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 sort of minimize the noise. And so talking <laughs> about these self-care practices. And what do you do to seek refuge? What do you do for the emotional calming healing? What is Yeah, so I, you know, as I said, yoga, I'm, I'm so glad that I, I found yoga because it, it, it hits two, you know, it, it, it hits two birds with one stone, doesn't it? It's not just physical, but it's sort of your mental and emotional state is helped so much by the practice. And meditation is another one. Running is my form of meditation as well. When I'm, when I do long distance running, it really, I'm, I'm in a meditative state, which really helps calm me down soul enriching podcasts which i listen to in the car if i if i don't have my kids with me what else are my self care practices guilt free indulgence of sort of favorite tv shows i mean sometimes you know my husband will be like why don't you just read or you know like why are you watching like you know whatever trashy tv i might be watching and i said i just it's a form of escapism and I don't want to feel guilty about it. I don't want to think, you know, like a lot of it, if I'm going to sit down and read a book, I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed right now in my mind. Like I just need to have that sort of in, in these times we're so emotionally taxed and overloaded with everything. And um, 
I don't want to feel guilty about whatever I'm doing to help sort of take that load off it's because anything you need to do to make it easier to bear because these are crazy times um do it you know whatever works for you you find what works for you and make the time to do it I I know a lot of women say I can't find the time I just it's not you know it's not possible but you know it is it really is possible you just have to make it work you know you have to look at your schedule and sort of figure out listen I've got to do this for my health as mothers we all know that we are at the end of our priority list and sometimes we need to be at the top and, you which know, is I, a really difficult thing for for mothers to do I'm not you know I'm preaching here it's I, I can't I don't always do it of course but I do try to you know I think it's so important I can't stress that enough you know, that's kind of one of the most important things that I wanted to share with listeners is, and that's why I, I, you know, really wanted to invite guests like you who make that point that we, we do that all the time. You know, we are like the last on our list and we shouldn't be, you know, cause I know that I'm a better mother if I'm happier and relaxed and more calm. And so what mm -hmm. I learned to do is to schedule my mental well-being you know so yes. i started to plot it in my calendar and then it's on my to-do list you know like so that me time became something that is just as important as you know brushing my teeth or you yes. know organizing something for my children so that's one thing um that i that really worked for me and another thing that actually i read about that i started to practice was you know you can you can tag on to things you're already doing so for example, if you eat breakfast at 9 a.m. and then you tag on like a breathing or exercise or meditation to the breakfast, right? So it's kind of like you're adding it to something you already do. You're more likely to do it. So you've kind of like yeah. worked it in, you've sneaked it into your schedule and put it together. And so it's easier to do things like that. Or like, let's say you're about to, like, you know, you take a shower at this time every day. So you can do a beauty ritual before the shower and that gets tagged onto the shower. And so you're not really finding time in your schedule. You're just adding something, but it's something for you. It's something that prioritizes exactly, yeah. you. know, it's important that people, I mean, women know that once you make something part of your routine, it's really, it's, a, it's easy. Once it's part of your routine, it's part of your routine. It's something that you do every day and, you know, and uh, the people in your household will know it's something that you do and need to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to taking a chunk out of your time instead of taking care of the kids on this and, you know, so. Right. Because it's all, all about switching your mindset. It's mindset. <laughs> we'll always come up with like 10 other things that we could do or we should do. So what I did when I started to schedule things in is I started to train the household that that's my time. And so my children can still come while I'm working out, but they know that that's where I'm going to be. And they need to, you know, understand that that's not going to change. And so they started to work around that. You know, they would bring their toys and start playing in the corner while I'm doing something else. And so what I, what I realized is that as we respect ourselves more than the people around us start to respect our time and they start to respect us. And you talked about how, you know, when you become a mother and you get really consumed by taking by taking care of the children and you know all these things that you want to do the kind of mother you want to be we sometimes forget about the man in our life you know we forget about our partner we forgot yes. forget about you know paying attention to them 
And sometimes, and I notice this with my husband, is they start to feel neglected. Like I know that I got really consumed with doing all these things that I wanted to do for my children. And I had two, you know, I got pregnant eight months after my first child was born. So there really wasn't time to adjust. And there was a point where my husband you know, said, I miss you. I, I miss the fact that there was just us before them. And so what have you learned about that? Because, you know, in your post, you definitely addressed that and said that was something that as women, we shouldn't forget about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember one one time he said, well, you you just want to be with them more than you want to be with me. And, you know, I felt really I felt really bad when he said that because it's not true. But I, you know, as a mom, I think we're, we, you know, we really think the kids need us 24 seven and no one's going to do a better job than us. And we can't sort of, you know, delegate, you know, we feel guilt. It's, it's all it all comes back to mom guilt. Right. But, you know, we've been together for 13 years now and, he, you know, he David is such an amazing, supportive husband. And I, I try to make as much time as I can for him, carve out the, that space, you know, whether it's date night or, you know, a run, going for a run. Having time alone with him without the kids is so important because it, it helps you guys, it helps you as a couple reset back to, you know, just the two of you and you can have sort of 100% attention on each other. And I think the men really, the husbands really miss that because if you're with your kids, no matter what happens, even if if uh, you're trying to focus on your husband, your attention will always be distracted, you know? And I think, you know, part of the the romance factor is, you know, not being distracted, being able to sort of focus all your attention and love on your husband. And they, you know, they really miss it because for them, parenthood is a very different journey. It's a very different experience, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's really important to make sure that your husband still feels your love. You know, you never want him to feel sort of pushed to the, to the way, you know, sort of to the side. Yeah, I'm not always successful, I have to tell you. It's, it, you know, with so many kids yeah, all I, wanting a piece of you. <laughs> I hear you because it's something I, I work at. You know, I have to carve out time where it's just me and him. And we actually even tell each other, let's not talk about the kids. You know, and then we realize that we forgot to be us. We forgot to be a couple again. And in fact, we almost had to relearn what it was like to relate to relate to each other as a couple. And I remember that after after I gave birth, my husband was very involved. He was very hands-on and he's a he's a really good father. I mean, that's his personality, but also my husband lost his father when he was four. So for him, his biggest dream is to be a father and to be there, you know, with his children because those are the memories he doesn't have with his own father. So that really mm -hmm. drives you know, so he was very present. But I remember in the beginning, like, I couldn't dress up, you know, like, when I'd given birth, and I was breastfeeding all the time, which was something, you know, kind of a big deal for me. But I remember that I forgot to be a woman for the first couple of months, I was just being a mom. And then when my second pregnancy, I realized that and I think one or two months into it, and it's not like I want to pressure anybody else. And I don't think this is something we have to do. But I do think that the minute I started to notice myself and to think of myself and feel good again, you know, things like 
taking a shower and you know getting mm -hmm. wearing clothes and stepping out of the house for like a meal with my husband i think i started to feel normal quicker and it made me just calmer and better with the children you know and and i had to remember that i'm still a wife i'm still a woman you know i'm not just a mother and i think that's what really kind of helped me to to bounce back and even yeah. with the, the weight you know so i had one pregnancy and then another and so i didn't have time to lose weight in between or kind of drop the extra um pregnancy weight and i kept saying i don't have time i don't have time where do i put it in my schedule but what i realized is that you know the minute i started scheduling in it in it just became part of my life and then it was really easy so i know you mentioned you talked about the fact that you know between four kids and i can imagine four kids there's there was that aspect too of kind of finding yourself again you know getting back to your to the body maybe you wanted to to be back in and and sort of being a woman again being a wife again tell me about your experience what was it like well you know i i've i've been pregnant and breast i mean for 10 years pregnant and breastfeeding for over 10 years so um I made it a real point though, as you said, to make sure that I didn't lose sort of my identity and my connection to myself okay. because I was cognizant of it. I think women just need to be aware of that. And there's, there's so much that we need to do, right? So we need to, I mean, Make sure we don't lose our connection to our husband. Make sure we don't lose our connection to ourselves. But we have to be sort of the super mom. And it's, it's, it's all so overwhelming. But for me, I, 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 I knew that I wouldn't feel good about myself if I didn't make the effort to connect back to myself, get back to my old body maybe, you know, be that person that I was before I had my kids, I mean, a, a version of myself. Because if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be the best version of myself to be the best mother that I could be. Do you know, if I put it off, I would end up, my self-esteem would sort of start, you know, get a bit lower and then, you know, I would start having anxiety about stuff. So I'm very disciplined like that. So it was because I was so cognizant of, of, of it all, I knew, hey, this is what I got to do. It, it's it's going to be a lot of work, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not afraid of hard work. And I think that really helped me because I, that's my work ethic. I know it's a lot of work. I know I need to do a lot of research. It's not, it's going to be painful. Some of it's going to be painful. Some of it, you know, but this is what I have to do if I want to feel like, you know, get to the best version of myself. So I'm not afraid of, of hard work. And I think a lot of women get overwhelmed by it. The other side of that is I still try to be as kind to myself as I can. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all very, I don't know. It sounds confusing even as I'm saying it. But, you know, I try, it, I think the world is, is a, it's, it's such a harsh place sometimes that you really need to find kindness wherever you can. And especially when it comes to yourself. I, I was in an industry that was all about based on looks and, you know, all of that. And it, it, you know, body image was very important to me at one point. And 
people's perceptions of me and my body image were very important. And so going through these sort of transformations every time I got pregnant and I, I, I gained massive amounts of weight and people were not shy to comment on how I looked and all of this. It, it really helped me grow as a person because I, I really had to take everything in and sort of, you know, make sure I didn't, you know, take on people's sort of opinions of me and what they thought I should be doing and, you know, where they uh, they thought I should be in life and whatever it was. I just knew that I had to come back to my, you know, what I felt I needed to do in my life to help me live a happy and healthy life for myself and my family, if that makes sense. Yeah, complete sense. I understand you completely. I think that we talked a little bit about, you know, dealing with uncertainty, which is to to have information, you know, to be prepared. And then you mentioned also now that it's about awareness. You know, you know, you need to know what you're getting into. You need to know what you've signed up for. And the more you are prepared, the better you can deal with it. Having said that, there are going to be things that are going to be out of your control. You're going to gain yes. weight. You're not always going to get it right, but you're going to learn. And you also mentioned, you know, people are going to say things and they might judge you and everybody has their own perspective or opinion mm -hmm. but as long as you know who you are and you know how to find yourself and you know what you're looking to be which is you know the best version you can always be then you're always going to be okay you know then yes, it's not exactly. about it's not about everyone around you it's about what makes you happy and it's about you know finding that self and maybe you know that new self looks like your old self or maybe you've reinvented yourself whatever you want is okay as long as you're true to that and it's not about you know exactly. other people want you to be so it's your own journey it's it's your own journey and you know one piece of advice i i'd like to share is to try and not listen to the noise outside you know the outside forces whoever they are if they're your friends your relatives whoever it is you know try and mitigate that because it's not helpful you know everyone as you said everyone has their own opinion and and perspective and a lot of the time it's not very helpful for you to be be taking all of that in when it really truly is about your it's about you and your own journey even on a budget Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I love that. So let's switch gears a little bit, okay? Because like I said, I have so many questions for you. Like this interview is never going to end because <laughs> I'm asking you questions. Talk to me a little bit about your businesses. I know you're quite the entrepreneur, you know, just like me. So I think it's a really good thing. And you have all these different projects and things that you're working on. I know the book, you know, must have been a really big part of your life because there's so much information in there. You know, so tell me about all these different things that you have your hands in and how did you stumble or how did you kind of get into all these different entrepreneurial projects? I think, you know, I 
I get it from my dad who, you know, he was very sort of entrepreneurial on the side and, and, and all his endeavors never really had anything to do with his career. So I've never been afraid to try new things. Like I, I just, if I see opportunities, you know, I've, I published a book that was not my own. Um, I had a swimwear retail store. I, I had an events company, you know, and so anything that's on the table that I, that I have an interest or a passion for, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to go for it because um, I think, why not? You know, I'm not scared of failure because I think that teaches you a lot, but right now I, I'm really focusing on Glamour Mamas and sort of offshoots of that. Um, you know, we were going to focus on on-ground events to really bring the community together, but then COVID-19 happened. So we're, obviously we're focusing more online, you know, what's the word they're all using? We had to pivot <laughs> and transform, which is fine. So a lot of those sort of entrepreneurial things that I, I had sort of set my mind to um, go towards this year have been put on hold. And now I'm really just focusing on Glamour Mamas and my advocacy for the online sexual exploitation of children. So that's really what um, I've decided to focus on because it's, it's, it's an issue that, uh, you know, is, is so prevalent in the Philippines. And as a mother, it just touches me so deeply that I just don't want, you know, I, I'm, I'm dedicating sort of my time and energy into just helping to eradicate OSEC. And I don't want to stop until that's done. So it's it's a huge sort of a very long undertaking. But for me, this advocacy really needs a lot of sort of people with platforms. And and I have a platform. I want to use it to help to help these children. So that's really where I'm focusing on right now, besides Glamour Mamas. You know, I, um, I didn't know that about you, that you had this advocacy. And in fact, it's something very important to me too, because you know, now everything's on the internet. So a lot of women who live outside of Metro Manila, and usually they would have come to Metro Manila to find jobs. So now what they're doing is in their own provinces. And this was an article, I think in it was in one of the local newspapers. And so there was this story about how um, what they're doing is these are mothers who are joining these online organizations and they have their own children doing, you know, pornography on the internet yeah. for these organizations who then sell it to people, you know, abroad. And I was just completely overwhelmed by that article that I read. I mean, it was just, it was really sad that this is what people had to do or what they were doing was to get their own children involved to bring in that income because it was easier than going to Metro Manila and finding jobs. And, you know, things are not going to get any better now because of COVID because, you know, it's even more difficult now to find yeah. a job, to travel, you know, to, to support families. So I'm really glad that you're doing this. As a mother myself, too, I know that when I had my first child, I got paranoid initially, like, I was so worried about people coming into the house. And, you know, I was worried about like, even a technician coming in and, you know, I had to make sure that my child was safe. And I, you know, I've read a lot of stories of things that have happened under people's own noses. 
You know, I know yeah. of, I have clients who have dealt with these kind of issues where their children under their own, you know, in front of their eyes, things have happened that they did not know about, you know? So this is definitely a huge problem in the Philippines. So it's, what are it's a mother's worst nightmare, basically, yeah. <laughs> is something bad happening to your child. So that's why on the online sexual exploitation of children really, the the whole issue affected me so deeply. These children have no one to speak for them because it's their own mothers, parents, caretakers who are abusing them. And 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 the Philippines is a global epicenter for this, by the way. So it's just horrific to me that you know we're number one in this sort of abuse of of, of children. Uh, the stories would horrify you. It's it's just they're depraved. So this was an amazing conversation with Amanda. And you know what? We aren't done yet. We had so much to talk about that we had to split this conversation into two episodes. So today is the first part of our conversation. And in our next episode, you will find the second part of our episode where Amanda and I will continue to talk about more topics in the areas of well-being, um, green living, eating clean and what we can do to guide ourselves in our life with a philosophy that will make sure that we are always safe no matter what is going on in our life. Stay tuned for more.